This is On the Line, Keystone in Nebraska. It's Thursday, August 10th, the fourth day of testimony on the Keystone XL oil pipeline. And as it turns out, the last day. I'm confident of this. The commissioners left with lots of questions in their minds. Again, it's the most studied cross-border pipeline in, in history. And it does offer significant benefits to, to Nebraskans. We are not going to let an inch of foreign steel to touch Nebraska soil. I'm Grant Gerlach of NET News, the NPR and PBS station in Nebraska. On this podcast, we summarize the arguments being made to the Nebraska Public Service Commission. They're the ones who will decide whether to approve a route for Keystone XL in Nebraska. Today, the pipeline hearing ended a day early, so we're looking back on what we heard and also ahead to what comes next. Ariana Brocious took a turn at the hearing today. Hi there. And Fred Knapp was listening in. I was. There at the top, we heard landowner attorney Dave Domina, TransCanada spokesman Matt John, and Jane Klebb of the anti-pipeline group Bold Nebraska, and they were all talking after the hearing wrapped up. How did things wrap up so quickly today, Ariana? Yeah, it was a pretty short day. Uh, the morning began with a little leftover testimony. Um, they did some cross-examination of TransCanada witnesses, and that mostly focused on cultural resources. There were some questions, especially from the Ponca lawyer, about whether TransCanada had adequately considered the route with regard to cultural resources like the Ponca Trail of Tears. And so he pressed on that for a while, um, but that was sort of the bulk of, of the testimony. And really then they moved into some procedural things um, and by 11 a.m., just after 11 a.m., they were adjourned. Adjourned. And and now the commissioners go on. And um, what do they do next? What are the next steps? So the all parties have um, basically the next month and a half to compose their written arguments, their closing arguments. And those will be submitted by the end of September. They'll each have um, some time to respond to the others' closing statements, closing arguments. Uh, and after that point, it really goes entirely to the hands of the Public Service Commission, who will be evaluating all that they heard this week, all that they've gathered in the last few months with public hearings, and making their final decision um, by November 23rd. So the public side of this is is done. Now they're off on their own reading through all this stuff. It is done. However, if someone still wants to submit public comment, they have until the close of business tomorrow, August 11th at 5 p.m. And after the hearing, the different groups were kind of milling out in the lobby of the Cornhusker Hotel. What did some of those groups have to say now that the hearing part of it is done? Well, Bold Alliance held a small press conference, and actually they started the morning before the hearing began. They delivered close to half a million public comments that they'd collected to the Public Service Commission's office in downtown Lincoln and um, held a small rally this morning about that. They did that this morning, and then um, after the hearing, Jane Klebb stepped forward to sort of make some final comments uh, regarding their continued opposition to the pipeline. I think no matter who wins or who loses, the other side will certainly appeal. We're ready to appeal. I know landowners and citizens are also ready to put their bodies on the line. You know, if we thought Standing Rock was a huge display of public resistance, that was a dress rehearsal compared to what this will be. Yeah, they turned in, uh, as Ariana said, uh, nearly half a million, I think they said 450-some thousand comments, public comments. And I was doing a little back-of-the-envelope math, and forgive my rounding here, but there are about 100 days left until the PSC has to issue a decision. So um, that means that the commissioners would have to read through 4,500 comments per day 
Uh, and if you figured they devoted eight hours to that, that would be 600 per hour. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's uh, – That will keep them busy. Well, yeah, it'd be 10 per minute or six seconds per comment. And that would be in addition to all the other material and comments that they have to review and have already received. Right. So they've got a lot of material to go through. Um, We also heard a lot of testimony this week, a lot of questions. I wanted to ask each of you about some of the important points you thought um, you would take away from this week. Uh, Fred, what comes to mind? Well, most of the questions were uh, asked by the attorneys or the, you know, Judge Flowers, the presiding officer, would make uh, rulings about objections and that sort of thing. So very little airtime was taken up by the commissioners themselves. But I was struck by the fact that when they did ask questions, uh, a lot of them seemed to uh, concern the possibility of using the existing Keystone route, the one that was a, uh, went through with very little opposition in 2009, uh, directly uh, north-south from Norfolk to the Kansas border. Um, and uh, TransCanada was at pains to say, no, 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 that's not the preferred route. Um, and when they were asked why, uh, they mentioned that uh, they had an unused natural gas pipeline in Canada that ran east-west to Winnipeg and then enabled them to drop straight down, which is no longer the case. They used that for the first Keystone. Now they've premised their entire application for the new route on going on a diagonal from Hardesty, Alberta, where the oil sands are, down to Steel City, Nebraska, where the rest of the pipeline uh, takes off south from. So uh, if the PSC were to exercise the option of granting permission but for the existing route, that might not be such a great deal for TransCanada. It might not be practicable. And Dave Domina, speaking after the hearing, seemed to feel like he had uh, done a reasonable job opening that option. Right. He said that was one of the major findings of the week or one of the major sort of outcomes of the testimony this week was that admission by TransCanada that, in fact, they're not as tied to the route they've put forward as they have made it seem so far. The people of Nebraska and the commission have been told for quite a while that this preferred route can't move because of South Dakota's action, but their chief engineer admitted that's not true. So they could use the other route, the existing pipeline route. Uh, They simply don't prefer it, so that's a big deal. And then there was also Matt John, the TransCanada spokesman, who is trying to make the point after the hearing that it's not just their preferred route, but it's also the preferred route of the State Department and the Nebraska Department of Environmental Quality, which did an assessment of the routes. This is the preferred route, which was selected by the by the State Department, was evaluated by the Nebraska Department of Environmental Quality, and it was deemed the most preferred route because it is the most environmentally responsible route. And another takeaway, I think, from the week um, was the role or lack thereof that the tribal attorneys felt they had. Um, there were attorneys there representing the Ponca Tribe of Nebraska and the Yankton Sioux, and I spoke with the Yankton Sioux attorney after the fact, and she said uh, they didn't really feel that they had the equal representation as the other parties, Bold Alliance, Sierra Club, um, and the landowners. They were only allowed to have one witness each, each of the tribes, um, and they just felt that some of their objections were you know, overturned or not sustained, um, so much so that they, they just didn't feel they got entirely a fair shake um, in the hearing. 
And they also made the argument that uh, they represented two different tribes with two different sets of interests. One of them represented the Yankton Sioux tribe, and the other one represented the Ponca tribe of Nebraska. But in some sense, they were being asked to combine their testimony and, and their points. And even in their closing arguments, they are asked to combine. And that was another thing that came up today. In the end, um, the lawyers asked once again if they could be they could file separate closing statements, closing arguments. And the judge said, no, make them one document. You can split the pages if you like. But this is how we've decided to do it. One thing that I thought was interesting looking back now on the whole week is uh, it seems to me pretty significant. The decision that was made before the hearing started to not include testimony on the risk of spills and leaks. Uh, you know, we ended a day early, and it seems like that would have taken up a, a good day of testimony itself if that had been allowed. Well, that, that would have been huge, but that was actually, prohibition was written into the state law when the legislature passed it. It said, thou shalt not consider safety. That's a federal matter. The, Judge Flowers also made a significant ruling before the hearing that they couldn't uh, argue about the economic need for this pipeline which there have been some articles, including one in the Wall Street Journal, suggesting that since oil prices have plummeted and there's a glut of oil on the market compared to what there was when the pipeline was first proposed, that uh, it's, it's not in the public interest uh, to, uh, to grant permission for any route. So now the commissioners will go off, they'll do their reading, and they need to make a decision by what date? November 23rd. So, Fred, what are some different ways that this could play out? Well, they could approve the uh, preferred route. They could approve the uh, uh, existing route. Uh, uh, the opponents uh, have proposed that they could impose conditions on whatever route approval or uh, that they could uh, simply say it's not in the public interest at all. And as we heard Jane Klebb say earlier, she expects an appeal no matter what side the Public Service Commission comes down on. And it seems like that's sort of an open um, assumption that there, there are going to be appeals and that this could very easily end up in the Nebraska Supreme Court. Even Judge Flowers alluded to that when she was setting a page limit on the attorney's closing arguments. If that's what the right. Supreme yeah. Court says, uh, I don't mean to prejudge what will happen after this, but you might as well start getting used to those requirements. <laughs> So she's not the only one thinking ahead. A little lawyer humor there. Yeah, right. And Jane Klebb is no lawyer, but uh, she thinks that uh, uh, beyond the Nebraska Supreme Court, there could be an appeal uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court based on the whole use of eminent domain and all of the lawsuits that have involved that around the country. Um, and after all the concern about potentially demonstrations, uh, civil disobedience at the hearing, there really didn't end up being much of that no. or any of that, really. No, it was it was uh, a bunch of uh, people in suits and ties sitting around an over-air-conditioned hotel ballroom <laughs> being polite to each other. And when you had to go through security, there were probably four or five state troopers or, or policemen standing there ready to assist. And um, the time I went through, I was the only person in line. So um, definitely a perhaps more than they needed. But you never can tell what could have happened if they hadn't been there. No, and and this comment today by Jane Klebb about, you know, the pipeline opponents being ready uh, to put their bodies on the line, I think, raised some interest. Sure, although she did, I think, later qualify it by saying, you know, creative nonviolence. Right, nonviolence being the key word there. Yeah. 
Well, that is the end of this pipeline hearing, and that wraps up this set of episodes of On the Line, Keystone in Nebraska. We do plan to come back as major events come up, like when the commission makes its decision or any major court cases come up. So keep looking for new episodes in your podcasts or at our Keystone XL page, which is netnebraska.org slash keystone. For Ariana Brocious and Fred Knapp here and the rest of the NET News team, Bill Kelly, Ben Bohall, Dennis Kellogg, our engineers, Jack Williams helping on the radio side. I'm Grant Gerlock of NET News. Thanks for staying with us.